0: There's no such thing as a suitable excuse for losing by seven goals, so I'm going to dispense with that right away. But there are excuses and legitimate ones for how this team's performed over the past month and change. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kvatchevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're in, too. Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. It'll be Penguins versus Wild tonight at PPG Paints Arena. A lot of eyeballs and a lot of heartbeats are going to be focused, and rightly so, on Marc-Andre Fleury, who if he starts, and I would imagine Minnesota management is smart enough to let him do that, it could be his last appearance in Pittsburgh. There's been a lot of that kind of sentiment everywhere he's gone this year. Most notably, a game that he and they played up in Montreal about a month ago in which he got a standing ovation uh, coming off the ice afterward. And He never played for the Canadians. He just happens to be from that particular province. Of greater concern, by far, to everyone associated with the home team tonight... I can promise you will be that they're coming off losing to the Maple Leafs seven to nothing Saturday night in Toronto. And that they achieved that dubious distinction by giving up 13, 13 odd man rushes. And they did that, of course, coming off of two fairly decent overall showings. One at home against the Coyotes, another on the road against the Canadiens. And what you're always looking for as a head coach when something like that occurs is a big old reset button. And if that reset button comes with some tangible elements, so much the better. Ricard Raquel is back to being a full participant in practice. Same with Noel Achari. Raquel yesterday was placed on the first line in practice in Cranberry, next to Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. This is a good thing. This is a welcome thing. This team has missed Raquel way more than anyone might care to admit. And yes, I do remember that through 17 games, Raquel had zero goals on 44 shots. I also recall that Raquel last season was a 28-goal guy for this team and that he's put up five 20-goal seasons over the course of his NHL career. He is a default 20-goal output out of a single player. He's terrific at five-on-five. And oh, by the way, last season, his 10 power play goals led the team even though he was only on the top unit for the final couple of months. At some point in this past month, not only was Raquel going to score an actual goal, he was going to bust out. And he was going to be a part of the power play busting out. All of that's been missing. All of that's real. And now all of that's compounded by Brian Rust also being out. What a wonderful, wonderful time to have Raquel back, and if you think you're excited about it, should have heard him yesterday at practice. Yeah, it's been way too long now, it feels like forever, uh, yeah, whenever I'm back, uh, I'm just going to enjoy the game and uh, play my my game and uh, just uh, play loose. I didn't even mention that he's... Also defensively responsible, defensively aware, and he'll be the guy that begins a lot of rushes, that creates a lot of chances up ice for his line mates, as he was doing earlier this season for both Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith, neither of whom has been the same since Raquel went out, I might add. So the way this looks now, Raquel will be on the top line. Volteri Valtteri Pustinian will remain on the second line, along with Gino and Smith. And if Raquel and Achari are back, you're going to have all four of your lines looking closer to the way that they usually look. I'm not going to bury Saturday. Okay. I'm not going to pretend Saturday didn't exist. This team has a ton of things to take away from that night. All of them negative, but all of them worthwhile in that they just can't be that type of team. I was driving out to Indianapolis to cover the Steelers game this weekend and joking with a colleague that the worst possible thing that could happen to the Penguins is to go to Toronto right after they had seemed to settle themselves a little bit. Because there's something about this group's DNA Most likely rooted in their own history that says, ooh, look, a team that plays just like us, meaning the Penguins of the 90s or the 2010s or whatever. And they think they can get into an all skate with a bunch of really, really talented children, which is the way I still think of the Maple Leafs, even though Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander have been there for a while now. That's a really, really, really dynamic regular season team. They don't win anything in the playoffs and they never will because they've got no guts. But in the regular season, you show up there in mid December and you try that approach. You try just going back and forth. You're, you're going to get hosed. And they did. And I'd posit to some extent that that's actually a positive. The Penguins need to get back to being who they need to be, meaning defending, meaning not allowing any odd man rushes. But let's not also ignore that they needed all along to get some important players back. And one or two of them will be back tonight when we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Ron, who says, DK, if performance and accountability meant anything, then Ryan Graves should be a healthy scratch. But neither of those does mean anything for this coaching staff. I'm not in a great position to debate that, Ron. I think you're completely right. And I think you're even in the general context, completely right. Graves was signed to a big contract. Graves arrived from the Devils with the expectation that he could be, if not necessarily a a top pairing defenseman, at least a nice complement within a top pairing. There's a difference there. I, I go back to when Brian Dumoulin was at his peak, working alongside Chris Letang. You wouldn't think of Dumo ever at any point in his career as a Top two defensemen on any team in the league. However, when he's out there with Latang and Latang's doing his thing and he's allowing Latang to do his thing, it's kind of a different scenario. Graves has been a disappointment. I don't think anybody would dispute that, including Graves himself. He tends to focus on the positives and that's okay. That's a, a healthy thing, I think, for an athlete to do. But he's got flaws that are very real to his game, to his approach to his game. And we saw a lot of that play out Saturday night in Toronto. No one, no one individual can be held responsible for a seven to nothing loss. And you sure can't hold a defenseman responsible. For 13 odd man rushes against, that's very much a group effort or lack thereof. However, when I look at the advanced metrics, the underlying numbers for Graves, he's been the Penguins' worst defenseman. That's not a shot. That's just a fact. Corsi 4 percentage at 5-on-5 is the worst on the team at 48.65. For those of you who don't know what that means, think of it this way. Shots attempted at either end of the rink get tabulated, and they tell you, to an extent, where the puck was and how much action favored one team versus the other. Graves's numbers, in that regard, when he's on the rink, the Penguins only generate 48.65% of all five-on-five shot attempts. It means there's a lot of action happening in the Pittsburgh zone, when he's going over the boards. That's not great. Now, yesterday, it should be noted, at practice, Graves was moved alongside Eric Carlson. I can't understand this at all. And I don't even know if we're going to see it play out in the game tonight against the Wild, because it it makes so little sense that at some point between yesterday and tonight... Mike Sullivan's got to change his mind on this one because it's just illogical. Graves has been out there basically carried by Latang instead of the other way around, instead of having Graves support Latang for the better part of this season. Carlson has no such DNA. Carlson is going to make his plays or try dying. But he's not going to change his game to adjust to a struggling partner. Now, do I like... The pairing of Marcus Pedersen and Latang, sure, because I like the pairing of Pedersen and anybody because he's responsible, he reads, he still rushes, he still makes sure he pinches smartly and contributes to the offense, but he does it in a way that helps the team manage play. Graves isn't that guy. Graves might not become that guy. Graves might very well be a bad signing on the part of Kyle Dubas. I really, really, really hate to write anybody off after one-third of a season. I've been doing this long enough to remember when a lot of people around here wanted to write Sergei Gonchar off. After even less than that, Gonchar ended up becoming a major, major contributor in Pittsburgh. And no, I'm not comparing Graves to Gonchar. Just saying, it's worth giving him a chance. Bright kid. There's a lot of tools there. He's got size. Uh, he's actually got crazy size for an NHL defenseman. He just. He's not doing the right things on the rink. He's turning to the inside when he should be going outside. He's trying to spin and whirl his way through the zone instead of just cutting off someone's path to his net in the most boring way conceivable. Now, now, having said all that, I'll ask a question back to you. Who do you replace him with if you take him out? P.O. Joseph, you like what you've seen from P.O.? How about Ryan Shea? What have you thought of his defensive zone game? Yeah, you see what I mean? There's, there's not a ton there. I appreciate the question. It's a good one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.